This episode of 101 Things I Wish My Dad Taught Me When You Commit Your Life to Your Inspired Calling You Create an Immortal Impact is brought to you by the Universal Law Number 4. Abundance. If you don't appreciate it the way that you've got it you won't get it the way that you want it. There is nothing surer in life than this principle. Whenever I have loved what I've been doing and loved it completely, a new and greater opportunity has arisen. And this is true for everybody. There are so many quotations that demonstrate this such as success breeds success. Somehow, some people, get the idea that complaining and bitching about things as they are will make them change. It's the equivalent to banging their head against a brick wall and wondering why the bricks are still in place and there's blood dripping from their face. The principle of treat people as you wish them to become requires that we look for the good news and not the bad news in people. The principle that everybody beats themselves up more than others, means that you don't have to tell people what they're doing wrong or what's bad about them, because they're already doing a great job of it. Nobody beats you down lower than yourself and nobody beats you higher than you do. That principle alone means did you are free to treat people better than they treat themselves and it won't matter because they won't feel it. And if you treat people with them they treat themselves it won't matter because they won't feel it. If you love somebody more than they feel worthy of they won't feel it. So in this way you are free to treat people in a great way because there is no loss. Now this also backfires in that how you treat people doesn't change them because changing requires the person to treat themselves differently. But what it does do it liberates you from the responsibility to be critical and nasty to them, makes you realize that if someone is treating you like shit it's only because you're treating yourself like shit. If somebody is treating you like shit you should be saying, thank you for letting you know that that is how bad you are treating yourself. We waste so much time and energy trying to change what can't be changed. We waste so much time focusing on what's wrong. The secret to all success is appreciating what you've got how you've got it the way you've got it and that will attract more of what you want. The mistake people often make with this paradigm is that they are thankful if things go their way in the form of pleasure. If somebody makes us happy or if somebody gives us money or if somebody recognizes us with a compliment or somebody is kind to us or somebody is generous to us these are all things that most people think are appreciative. But that's not the gist of it. If you know your purpose and your mission in life and people support that purpose and mission then you have an opportunity to be thankful. Pleasure is no reason to be thankful. There's a great awakening when you are given the opportunity to spend time with someone who is leaving their body, dying. In the short period that they have before they take their last breath there is a look on a person's face which is either complete surprise or complete surrender. In this time all the pleasure they had in their life amounts to zero. In this time when life is added up and we are exiting the body all the emotion we had worrying about things that have happened or haven't happened or will happen on might happen or could happen or should happen or would have happened if, amount to nothing. All of life adds up to what was done in the direction of your purpose. Had a funeral a person asked of the deceased, what did they leave? The answer was, everything. You can educate your kids, you can build the biggest house, you can go on holidays to France, you can ride a bike around the world, you can invent a new toothbrush, you can lead a business and make a fortune but none of it, amount to anything when you leave this planet. And we feel this deep down. That's the root and the power of all religion, resolving that fear. So we cannot deny that somewhere deep down inside of us there is an appetite to leave some sort of a footprint on the planet for the existence of our entire life, for all the work, all the stress all the worry all the anxiety all the emotions. Because if there is not a footprint at the end of all that it is a total waste of space, a total waste of breathing room we have occupied for some period on the planet. Even leaving children behind makes no real big difference on your deathbed if they have gone off on tangents. Milking other people and their life as some form of impression we have made from our life is just a mess. So it comes down to the question how do you leave some sort of imprint, a memory of yourself, a contribution to the world greater than just paying the rent and the mortgage, buying air tickets and skiing down mountains. 
It amounts all of it, to zero. If you look in the cemetery most people are forgotten within a very short period of time. We are alive for a very short time and we are dead for a very long time. So this time we have is not only about worrying about how to build your business or your career or you satisfy your boss or make your company happy or pleasurable partner or do something ridiculous, it's about being aware that you have an opportunity to live on purpose and contribute and therefore leave an immortal impact. Question might become what are you going to worry about today? 99% of people on this earth die from stress-related illness. 1% of people on this planet die of old age. What that tells you is 99% of people wasted a great opportunity. They worried about things they couldn't change, they got immersed in the pleasure hunt of materialism and they got caught up thinking that pleasure was a measure of success. And you see it everywhere. The problem with pleasure is that there is never enough of it, and what you get just makes you want more. Just like Messina ice cream. I hear people arguing about how much time their children spend on social media and iPads. The focus on negotiation of the home is a trauma around something that reveals that nobody really gives a shit about their purpose. Nobody gives a shit about their immortal impact they just micromanaging the garbage and making sure the paper goes in the right color bin and if it doesn't they crack the shits. One of the harshest rules of nature is this, whatever you do on this planet that you think is really important, if you died tomorrow, within a week or two somebody would be doing everything that you currently do. If you're being a parent somebody would replace you, if you're being a leader someone would replace you, if you're being a sports star someone would replace you. Although we all think that we are not replaceable that is not a universal principle. Nature abhors a vacuum. I remember really clearly one day in Canada when presenting to 100 people in a whole about inner wealth and the universal laws I spoke about this principle. Now Canada is very sensitive to socioeconomic boundaries and if you imply in any presentation in Canada that there is a social divide between cultures you will always get attacked. Even some presentations have to be repeated in French to make sure everybody is included. It's a nightmare of management but completely understandable from a social integration point of view. And so integration is a critical topic. When I was presenting, as an Australian I would laugh at these sensitivities because for me they were the topic of obvious discrimination even if Canadians were committed to non-discrimination through language. Anyway I was presenting to this group and I spoke about death. I wasn't speaking about human death I was speaking about the principle that nothing is ever missing just changes in form and therefore nothing can be missing. At this point one First Nation lady shouted out an objection. Her mother had passed away recently and she was in deep sorrow about it and for her it felt like I was not being respectful. Because she was First Nation everybody in the room was nervous that I had breached some form of cultural boundary and insulted a socio-economic lineage and therefore was going to be in deep shit. I said to the lady would you like to process what you're saying before you condemn it. She agreed. With that we begin to list everything that she missed about her mum and I asked somebody in the audience to scribe down every single thing that she said was missing since her mum died. I said to her well according to the principles of the universal law, which are the principles of nature, which are in fact the principles of First Nation, fact, your grief and missing things can't be missing. We started off with her mother's kindness and we found her brother had become kind since the mother's passing. The woman acknowledged that kindness was just in a different form. We then went on to a sounding board that her mother was for her problems and found that the local priest had become a closer associate. Again nothing was missing it just changed form. We went through a list of at least 50 things in front of the entire audience which is pretty brave if you ask me for her to do that step by step, the cooking the friendship, the love the kindness everything was replaced at the moment of her mother's passing, not two days later but immediately. And suddenly she started to realize that her mother wasn't missing. At this moment I asked her to close her eyes and tell me who was standing behind her. I also encouraged the audience to close their eyes and just stay quiet. Without any question the presence of her mother was in the room. 
I asked this lady to connect to her mother verbally and she did and the mother replied everything is okay I love you. Find the skeptics amongst you I understand that this story might stretch your imagination outside of cornflakes and yogurt. And that's okay. But for the rest of you who understand the power of the universal laws and the fact that they contradict emotional darkness, I hope this story gives you a greater incentive to apply those laws that I'm teaching you. In nature in the universe, nothing is ever missing it just changes form. What does this tell you? If you are to be honest you are incredibly replaceable. Everything important you think you are doing is a global contribution, family contribution, business contribution, social contribution, parental contribution could be replaced with a flick of a switch. Nature would never allow a vacuum. However, there is one part of you that nature and the universe would never replace, your spirit. Your spirit is your love, not puppy love but I mean contributive love. When you add something to someone's life, they remember not you but the thing you added. When you add value to the world that is what is remembered not you. So we are not trying to be remembered as us but for the contribution we make. I've written 35 books and another 35 books that will never see the light of day. I'm dyslexic. Nobody is ever going to put those books in the library of the great books of the world. I've done over 3,500 podcasts and as you know from this one, it's growing. I have over 1,700 YouTube videos that I've created for training and I've presented in excess of 3,000 business presentations to teams. And with all that my name, Chris Walker, will not be remembered. That's not important. What is important is that nature is reintegrated into people's lives. I've taken the universal laws, distilled them down into the laws of nature, and made them transportable from the bush to the office, from the forest to the home. On this topic I have created an immortal impact. Transforming lives using nature as a guide. There are now over 200 people trained and functioning in the inner wealth space. If I'm gone, the legend of nature as a mechanism for corporate performance and human consciousness lives on long. To think about this in another way. When you are young you have something, everything to live for. Your dreams and hopes motivate you and then marriage and babies, you have something or someone to live for. But with time, they all push back and ask the question of you again and again. What do you have to live for? So much so much. We say with enthusiasm but then something shifts and you realize that not everything you live for will be as you wished and you must evolve or adapt. Either you shrink to a small space and live for small things or you find something big, bigger that can't be removed. I open hearts, minds and spines to nature. I align people with nature, and their true nature, and the nature of things. We are losing touch with nature, listening to music on hi-fi systems, typing on computers, riding fast carbon bikes, it is all nature but we are losing touch and so, running off into nature on holidays and weekends. But our travel is going to be less and less as more and more COVIDs come and go, and then, urbanization and corporatization and televisation will overwhelm and we will be other than human, or try to be. We all need bigger reasons to live and that is where an immortal impact is such the most wonderful thing. It gives us an immortal thing to live for and that's big. Not everyone wants it. Some people just want happy family. Then, family disrupts their sense of self. They become unhappy with themselves because they define themselves as their family. That's like giving a balloon to a hedgehog. We all need a purpose and a sense of liking ourselves and something to live for that helps us look for the best in us and in those we love. Something bigger than pleasure. Something that stands the test of time. That is the end of today's Sermon on the Mount. With Spirit. Chris.